You're listening to Walk the Mile, a conversation where we spend time walking in the shoes of inspiring leaders to learn their unique career journeys and how they've each built successful careers. Good afternoon, Sofa. Welcome to Single Steps. We're truly very, very excited to have you here. Uh, for everyone listening to Single Steps, Zulfa is the CHRO of UEM Sunrise, has had a glorious international career where she's worked across multiple organizations uh, such as BP, Shell, worked across North America, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore. Um, so really, really excited to have you on the show, Zulfa, uh, to talk to us about your wonderful career and how you've become the CHRO. But before we break down into that, how are you and how are things on your side? Thank you so much for the invite. Thank you so much. It's great, really great meeting the two of you. Um, huge uh, honor to be invited and to participate in this uh, session. Um, I think how I'm, uh, I'm glad. Well, firstly, I'm glad it's 2021. It's no longer 2020. I think all yeah. of us <laughs> have gone through the ringer in 2020. Um, Correct. HR community, not the le- among the least of the ones being impacted. Uh, therefore, it is, but 2021 does have a feel of things are looking up and things are becoming better. Uh, people are more uh, positive. I'm more positive and truly looking forward to great stuff for the community, for the country, for my company and the industry and so on. Thanks again. Fantastic. Uh, you just say that you, know, you're, you yourself are a lot more optimistic in 21 uh, and Zulfa, have you kind of looked at that? What's kind of led to that change, that renewed optimism? What do you feel is kind of contributing to that? So there's a few things. Uh, I think in 2020, in, a yeah. year ago, almost uh, for Malaysia at least, uh, uh, we have just passed our anniversary of our first lockdown. Yes. And <laughs> there was a lot more um, uncertainty and fear and concern and just breakneck speed change. I mm. think in most countries around the world, uh, we were then, a year ago, we were coping with uh, differing um, SOPs, differing regulations, differing country uh, and um, government regulations. So that yeah. was uh, going through. I think for many of us, and me included, uh, looking back on the last 12 months, we are, I am definitely optimistic because I am uh, very, very pleased that we all survived. Very, very pleased that some of my constituents, my beloved staff, my beloved line managers have shown a strength, a resilience yeah. and resourcefulness and optimism yeah. in the last of months that was untapped. You know, yeah. it's, it's in a crisis that we become stronger, we become older. Um, so those things will put us in good stead. Yeah, in this year and beyond. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really nice to see how we've we've all kind of hunkered down and really kind of, uh, I guess, dealt with the change and, like you said, emerged stronger, right? Really interesting to see. Very cool. Uh, Zulfa, you've obviously had quite an interesting background, uh, but before we, we go on there, what kind of really prompted you to take up a, a career in HR? What kind of led to that? Because... If I remember correctly, you've you've done a degree in finance. Is is that fair for me to yes. say? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a bit of a cheeky story. My CFOs always hate this story <laughs> because yeah, I I think uh, that was my first laugh. I you know I I was one of those uh, geeky nerdy kids who has always had a flair for numbers. Yeah. And therefore, a background in finance and accounting seems to be the natural step. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, I went to University of Utara, Malaysia, and they allowed me to uh, take extra credit for lots of things. And okay. for say, many, some of my extra credits then went into organizational behavior. Ah. So when it came to, uh, after graduation and upon looking for a job, I was fortunate to be invited to be part of the Shell graduate training program. And they asked me, do you want to go into the finance program or do you want to go into the HR program? And that was the beginning of uh, my choice. And like I said, my <laughs> finance colleagues always hate it because I was yeah. there thinking, hmm, finance and numbers seem so easy. Let me go into <laughs> HR. <laughs> Where there is no guarantee that two plus two is four. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that was that was the that was the story, and it's it has been challenging all the way through the way right. the way I wanted it. And would you say that you know with with you kind of being trained in finance, being pretty good with numbers, um, obviously a complete different ball game in HR. You're dealing with people, right? Obviously uh, a lot of variances there. Um, so how did how did that understanding of numbers help you at that initial uh, transition? Did did it add any value? Uh, do you think when I you think, think back? Well, okay, this is uh, this will date me, of course. This will date this will age me. So of course, I started my profession last century. And I like saying the term last century is just to remind that, you know, there's a difference between last century and this century. And when I first started my role, um, most of my colleagues um, do not seem to consider that having a flair for numbers as a strength in managing HR. Right. Okay, so that now, of course, it's a given because mm. you're going to manage headcount, you're going to manage data, you're going to manage analytics, you're going to manage yeah. the HRIT and so on. So it was not, in the beginning, it was not very clear to me that my background in finance would have been um, any use or would have given me an advantage. Um, the focus at that point in time was uh, managing a lot of employee relations. Uh, as one of my ex-bosses described it, when you enter a room, you must have a sharp enough antenna to get mm-hmm. a feel of how everybody's feeding, get a feel of how everybody would where think people would sway in terms of certain decisions. Right. So that sharp antenna in terms of uh, judging, assessing people was much more uh, valued. Of course, right. it is still valued now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my financial background and flair, of course, I'm nowhere near as good as I was when I first graduated. That's uh, given. Came later when, um, especially when dealing with the specific technicalities of compensation and benefits. Right. When you right. start dealing with pension funds. Mm. Okay. When you start developing um, a balance scorecard across um, eleven countries. Right. Uh, right. So those that came into play a bit later in my career. Fantastic. You know, it's really good to see how it complements the role and it, you know, it's also kind of made some of these initiatives that you've driven, um, I wouldn't say easier, but I guess it's been able to assist you in kind of navigating those waters. Um, and obviously, you've, you've, you've grown an interest towards org behavior. I think you pursued more, uh, uh, I guess, tertiary education in that space. Uh, you went on to do a master's and even a doctorate of management. Uh, what kind of pushed you in that in that direction? And uh, I guess it's a two-pronged question. How did that help you in your HR career as well? I think um, so. As as I progressed in my career, and and as you progress, you you look for role models. You look yeah. for roles. You 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 look at what is what success. What is success defined for you? Mm. You look at your bosses and your bosses' bosses and your other mentors and role models and you decide what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So I think 
um, so for uh, after some time, I have crystallized that my core values mm. will be competence, mm. integrity, and objectivity. Right. So, one of my key core, core values is competence, meaning that we better be good. I better be good at what I do. Yeah. So, hence the drive to learn more and more. Hence the masters. Hence the uh, doctorate. Uh, ensuring that I keep abreast of mm-hmm. uh, the. The, all the development, all the research in uh, my profession, yeah. and then uh, make sure that I uh, am also the best HR professional that I can be. Fantastic. And and Zulfa, you obviously have held multiple roles, right? You've been with Shell, you've been with BP, then you moved to AirAsia, uh, and then you know multiple different organizations and industries. But out of the multiple roles you've he- you've held, which which do you think was the most contributing role for you to to end up in that CHRO role that you are in today? Okay, uh, hmm, I would categorize that into two buckets. One sure. is the straightforward technical skill set bucket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when I had planned my career. Um, and I knew that if I were to be um, a CHRO role and the best CHRO I could be, yeah. I wanted an experience in all the major functions of HR, mm. from mm. resourcing, to, from talent acquisition, to talent management, to command band, to systems and processes. And my career has reflected that as I moved from both generalist and specialist uh, roles. And so that was deliberate, moving mm. from generalist and specialist roles, developing the technical skill sets to enable me to be a to be a competent uh, CHRO. Yeah. yeah. So the second bucket is the grit, the emotional resilience, mm. the mm. inner wherewithal to be able to operate at this level. It's one thing, of course, to have the skill. You know, it's different yeah. whether you actually have the, the guts to do it. Got you. Uh, that came also, I think, um, uh, from various uh, various challenges that I have mm-hmm. had. I think in my profession. And this is uh, this is wearing my heart over my sleeve a bit. I yeah. think in my profession there were only two times uh, that that I I cried. <laughs> the first the first one when it was when we were going through is where was a, a role in uh, in Shell when we go to major global outsourcing. And mm. it was a tough two year and it was because you have to maintain the operations while yeah. still keeping staff morale. Mm. And we were almost so close when there was a development that happened mm. that uh, pushed us back a couple right. of uh, back. And so I had to go somewhere and cry. I think that was, remember, we, we mm. had completed outsourcing, we had awarded sourced, and then uh, Hewlett Packard announced they bought EDS, which was mm. one of the companies that mm. <laughs> we had chosen as our suppliers. And that yeah. meant that redoing everything again in terms of the offer and in terms of persuading people to be outsourced to EDS. So sure. that was hard. But which is nothing compared to but the next time I cried, which was and, and I was in Asia when the unfortunate um, plane crash happened. Mm. And I was the group head of people at that point in time. And and I, I, I had an oil and gas background, meaning okay. that crisis management is part and parcel of the role. Mm. But that was the first time in my life, in my career, that I was dealing with a crisis with paid customers, not employees. Mm. And that feeling of helplessness and that feeling that I'm there to support my staff who are supporting the customers uh, or Mm. the next of kin of our customers um, in Surabaya, that, Mm. that was hard. 
that was mm. very 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 hard um, and we held each other together we helped as much as we could fantastic group of people and then we all held each other mm. so these are not um, these are not uh, easy or these are not pleasant yeah. things to experience or to go through I wouldn't wish them on anybody by mm. choice or by not but I have to put pen on my heart they mm. helped me make the person that I am they mm. have helped me become a more rounded and a much better CHRO now yeah. than if I had been um, if I had not gone through uh, those experiences right right yeah well I guess those are not easy experiences to go through and I and, and I think when you're when you're dealt with a, a hand of such complexity navigating that crisis would have would have in itself been such a challenge uh, to begin with uh, but but I want to come back to something that you said, right? You said, you know, functional competence is obviously essential, but after a certain point, it's about, you know, tenacity, grit, your ability to kind of be resilient and manage, you know, different stakeholders. So when you go through an experience like this, um, at that point, um, how did you kind of, I guess, when you, when you, probably when you look back at it now, how do you think it kind of shaped you as an individual um, in your in your current role or, or as as a as a leader now, yeah. I think um, what has worked for me, yeah. what has worked for me is understanding is is ensuring that I continue to improve my self awareness. Mm. That I understand who am I, what are my strengths, what are my development, um, what are my core values, why am I here. And yeah. why? Why am I doing what? Why? Why am I doing what I'm doing now? In one of the OD jobs um, that uh, that I did, I think uh, as we went through it, and as you move and you become an internal OD consultant to lots of stakeholders, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I learned is to clearly understand why you are doing what. What are you? What is it? Uh, what is this for? And a lot mm. of times when you're doing consulting or when you're doing stakeholder management. You listen to what the person says. You want to say, are you here for your client or are you mm. here so that you don't make yourself look stupid? Which is two very different things. Correct. Correct. So, you, so that has worked for me. The, the mm. clear understanding and the brutal objectivity in evaluating mm. what are my intentions in that particular moment in mm. delivering that role. Mm. And I've often shared this with my protégés, my mentees, my coaches, is mm. like, now it could be that your intention may not be the most pure of intentions. Mm. But you need to admit it, rec- mm. acknowledge it, and deal with it rather than blind yourself to it. Mm. And mm. that has helped me in terms of being dealing with uh, various stakeholders, uh, various uh, levels of the organization, mm. because you want to be authentic and know what it is. Yeah. Got people you. can only accept you once if you're inauthentic, yeah. then they will remember it um, from then from then on. Got you, got you. Zofa, you've obviously held multiple roles, and I guess the big thing is you've also worked in so many different regions, right? You've done North America, you've done Hong Kong, you've done a bit of Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Europe as well. Um, how have these international experiences really helped you um, in your leadership role or just you know in your career uh, thus far? I think when when I was moving around, cultural diversity and diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion was already a big deal. 
and mm. then and people were learning how to adapt that how to implement it and one of the examples uh, or things that I would like I, I, I like to emphasize wherever I go is at the core of things everybody wants the same thing mm. it is manifested differently but everybody wants the same thing and I give this very very specific example and I'll just use the example because I was ha- I happened to be in Shell at that point in time now everybody wants to be treated with respect Correct. Hmm. But it's manifested differently. Now, in the Malaysian culture, if I respect you, I'm not going to call you out up front. Hmm. I'm not going to, uh, but I will, I will probably say a quiet word for you, etc. and so on. In the hmm. Dutch culture, if you respect the person, you will give that feedback right up front to the person. Respect. Yeah. Hmm. So the, the, core, the core premise is the same. Wanting hmm. to be treated with respect. How differs from culture to culture. Hmm. So, when, when, um, um, people we have friction because of that you, you, you need to come down to the core what exactly mm. that people are looking for what people are manifesting is only at the top Got so you. that is my same message I, everywhere that I've gone around the world everywhere that I have worked at the various levels uh, of organization it comes down typically to two, th- two three things people want to be tr- people want interesting work Mm-hmm. People want to be able to progress and develop and learn, etc. And people want to be treated with dignity and respect. Mm. Got you, got you. Zulfa, listen, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you and learning of your experiences. But before I let you go, um, I would like to ask you one question. Uh, what's your advice to you know aspiring HR talents that 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 look to be the CHRO? Um, you know, at some point and have it as an end goal, uh, what would be the advice you would give them in terms of how they can make that happen for themselves? Um, I think I'm influenced by the fact that because I chose this profession, I am mm-hmm. passionate about it. So I didn't fall into this. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've worked hard to be the best that I can be as much mm-hmm. as possible um, to be good in this profession. So therefore, um, my other, okay, and it goes back to my core values as an HR professional. Competence is one. The other is integrity because mm. the decisions that you make um, influence people's lives and careers. As HR, mm. you do have the power, uh, whether you like it or not, mm. as a CHRO, to influence, to impact people's lives and careers. And that's mm. not a power to be taken lightly. Mm. The third part of my value is uh, objectivity, mm. the ability to evaluate without being entangled emotionally and politically, be able to say no consistently and so on. So mm. I think if a person wants to be CHRO and this role comes with certain power and obligations, one thing I would recommend, of course, you know, I'm, I want the best CHROs possible in the community is one mm. is you need to understand your ultimate doing things. Because mm. again, as HR people, you, inf- you, you, you will influence people's lives and careers. Mm. It's, not, it's not a responsibility to be taken lightly. Mm. Um, and your integrity, it must be absolute as much mm. as possible. Mm. That is the skill sets you can acquire, the skill sets you can polish, but your core integrity, your core delivery, delivery and intentions um, has to be um, in the right place. Got you. It, well, that's uh, maybe it's too deep. Sorry about that. 
No, that was a power-packed response. So thank you very much for that, Zulfa. And I think, um, like you said, it was a, it was a well thought out response. Obviously, I could see you uh, thinking through what you were saying. So thank you very much for that. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, listen, Zulfa, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really, really appreciate it, uh, and and thank you for sharing such wonderful insights. Thank you so much again for the invite. Thank you for listening. We hope this podcast can help in your learning journeys. Check us out on our LinkedIn page, Hatch Asia Consulting. Till next time, keep growing.